from American Salon Magazine and .com. This is American Salon Stories, a weekly podcast featuring some of the most interesting people we know. Welcome to the American Salon Stories podcast. I'm Gordon Miller, your podcast host and the CEO of Hairbrain.me. Today's guest is one of the most beloved and respected professionals in all of hairdressing across literally the world. Stephen Moody's name has been synonymous with the Sassoon organization for much of his career. He was a longtime principal of the North American Academy before being named International Executive Director of Vidal Sassoon Education in 2003. Stephen joined Wella Professionals as Global Dean of Education in 2012 and today oversees a world wide network of over 800 Wella educators and the programs that they share across the world. Welcome to the American Salon Stories podcast, a true hairdressing icon and friend, Stephen Moody. Hi, Gordon. I'm doubly thrilled to be on this podcast with you. Um, number one, because it involves American Salon, a great publication, a great organization. And number two, it involves you, um, a very dear friend of mine. And we've uh, known each other for too many years. I can't remember exactly <laughs> how many. Many. Uh, but I'm, I'm just really pleased to be sharing with um, the greater hairdressing community. Thanks for inviting me. No, we're so, so happy to have you here and, and also, of course, well, professionals. And let me say, to begin this, I, I have to say this, I want to start by talking a, really quickly about a label that I and so many others have put on you, and, and that is of icon. And I want to offer some context because I actually think that's one of those way overused words it's, or labels. That, and I, I just hear it, I hate to say, too often. Um, and in my way of looking at the industry um, and considering how important words are, I believe there's about maybe a dozen or so living icons in this industry. And I want to say for everybody to hear that Mr. Stephen Moody is absolutely on that list. You are truly an icon, and it says so much about your career and who you are as a human being. Well, thank you. I, I, I can only accept that, that accolade because um, um, I've been surrounded and supported with some amazing people over the years, and um, I'm just really thrilled to be part of the hair industry as, in general. Um, I'm really happy that I've done what I've done. I'm super happy to have been um, blessed to have 32 years of experience with um, with Sassoon Academy, uh, but probably even more blessed to be the last five years with a fantastic manufacturer in Weller. Well, and again, you you just continue the legacy of all the great stuff that you've brought, you know, t today, you know, with Wella, and and uh, we're all fortunate to have you as part of this industry. So, so tell everybody, you know, what is kind of the, I guess, the job description. What what do you do at Wella every day, and and what's a typical day in the life of Stephen look like? Um, like many of my colleagues at Wella, I I, I wear more than one hat, and I think. Um, um, any of us in this business, um, to be successful, we have to be able to take one hat off and put on another one, um, depending on the circumstances. Um, my official title is I'm the, the Dean of the Education Academy. So what that really means is um, um, Education Academy staff training. So basically what um, myself and some of my really talented colleagues work on is the um, the elevation and the, the training and the updating of number one all the people that work for Weller as 
full-time employees. Um, and there's about 850 people who are professional hairdressers, uh, most of whom in some way, shape or form are linked to education. So um, it's taking care of those guys. But on a greater scale, there's a far greater number of people, and I shudder to think what those numbers are globally, of people that are um, independent contractors. And those are super talented people. They typically work in hair salons or they own a hair salon. And they're advocates of, um, of Weller and what we do. Um, they're typically experts in coloring hair, which I'm, I'm not. And um, these people um, share with our customers tips and tricks. Um, they share with our customers initiatives, motivation, um, all the way across the board from, from business education, um, right the way across the, 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 the spectrum to color, styling, etc., and um, share with them how to be successful. It makes me think about, you know, kind of the history that you and I have, have shared in many ways of being in this business for a very long time. We've seen it evolve. And, and I think back to when I first came in the industry and, and the manufacturing world, you know, as it relates to what happens in salons was very different back then. Um, the industry in many ways was different. And over time, it's just become more and more sophisticated, bringing more and more resources. And we always think of innovation um, and well, of course, being a leader in innovation and hair color. Um, but what I don't think manufacturers get credit enough for is how over the last 25, 30 years, they have created this global infrastructure of education that really has elevated the entire industry. And it's across so many brands, but you know, education changes people's lives and, and the power of, of the corporations to help kind of lead that charge and bring those resources down into the, the daily lives of, of professionals in the salons. It's, it's pretty amazing to have watched over time. Absolutely. And, it, it, and you know, it's that, it's that saying that if you give a man a fish, he can eat for a day. Um, if you share with him how to fish, um, he can he eat for a lifetime. And, um, you know, I, I walked away from Sassoon in 2012 and um, had lots of opportunities and, and things on the horizon that I could have walked into. But um, the, the reason that I came through the doors of, of Weller and chose Weller um, is because of its investment in tomorrow. Um, its investment in education, its investment in its staff, its investment in its com in its customers, and um, that's why I came through the doors five years ago, and that's why I'm still here uh, today. Because for me, my my whole life, my whole career um, has been pivotal um, around education, and um, I think you and I are on the same page, and I think many people listening to this podcast. Um, they're vested in education, otherwise they might not be listening to the podcast. So I think in many ways we're preaching to the choir uh, that um, it's it's ongoing. And um, I've got this saying, um, you know, there's only one thing that's, that's predictable in the hair business, and that is that um, tomorrow will be different to today. Um, no two days are the same. And that's one reason we love it, you know, because it, 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 it certainly never, never is boring. So using your, your analogy of, of fishing, you've been teaching people to fish for a very long time in the professional beauty industry. How, talk a little bit about, you know, what drew you into this profession and, and as importantly, what then drew you into the education space? Yeah, absolutely. And, and some of you might have heard this story before, but I, I 
I'm the product of a, of a hairdresser. My mom was a hairdresser. She um, literally gave birth to me in the bedroom above the hair salon. And, um, you know, initially she was a, a single mom raising me by herself um, and struggling, um, which I'm sure to many people listening to this podcast is a similar scenario. They've heard that story before, you know. Our business is dominated by females, uh, many of whom are struggling, many of whom are single parents. And, um, and that was my mom. And that, you know, and she really had a, a shampoo and set type business um, and quickly realized when I was about three years old, she was going absolutely nowhere fast, roller setting and teasing hair. And uh, both creatively and financially, she was kind of up against a brick wall. And um, she had the good sense to reach out to a complete and utter stranger and um, ask this man, um, could she please learn to cut hair? And um, she left me the neighbors, got a boss and went to, to London and um, hung out in this man's hair salon and, and shampooed and swept the floor and made coffee. And in return, when this man had an extra uh, model left over from teaching his own apprentices, he'd teach my mom. And um, at the end of this three-month period, he said to my mom said to this man you know thank you so much i can't tell you how much this has changed my life it's um, changed the way i look at hair and the business and, and what i do and um i'm going to go back to my roller sets and i'm going to throw away my razor i'm going to throw away my rollers and my hairspray and i'm i'm going to convert my customers to having haircuts which at that time was hugely um hugely rev revolutionary and um said to this man, you know, there must be hundreds, maybe thousands of people that would love to learn what I've just learned from you over the last three months and probably would be very happy to pay you. Um, in addition to this one hair salon that you've got here in London, have you considered opening a, um, an academy, a school where hairdressers can come and learn this in a formal fashion? This man's name is Vidal Sassoon. And um, she did something very interesting. She 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 kind of um, came back to rescue me because I was with the neighbours. I've forgotten what she looked like, um, and converted clients in a very rural setting from having roller sets over to having things that were much more modern and new. But um, it didn't end there, Gordon. You know, there was that mindset of um, you know, education's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong um, experience. It's a lifelong investment. And um, I clearly remember, you know, she would literally have a jar, a jam jar, and stuff money in this jam jar um, from working from tips and from, from doing the last client of the day or whatever. And bit by bit, um, that paid for her next visit to for education um, at Sassoon Academy. I always remember her too, you know, saying to, to customers, you know, um, just watch out because the next time you come in to get your hair cut, um, it's going to be a pound more expensive because you are going to pay for my education. And um, I always thought that was very astute because, you know, customers say to her, you know, how on earth do you, you, you afford to go and stay in a, in a hotel in London? Um, how on earth do you afford to pay for these educational courses? Um, how, how do you afford to, you know, book yourself out of the salon and not do clients and not be productive. 
And um, her answer, of course, was, um, oh, that's easy. You pay for it. <laughs> I love that. And, and you know. The rest, grew- is, the rest is history, as they say, the, right? The rest, the rest is history. So as a kid growing up, I, I just watched how, um, you know, my family went from not being very well off and not being very successful and, um, you know, obviously working every hour God sent um, to being relatively successful um, and all on the back of um, investing in education. So as a kid growing up, I was absolutely fascinated by the hair salon and helped out in the salon on Saturdays. I think I was 13 when I first started. Um, so I'd be in high school and I'd, I'd work on Saturdays for some extra money. And I started by shampooing and eventually graduated to um, uh, neutralizing perms. And then I think eventually graduated to the, to the top rung, which was blow drying hair. And I'd go home on Saturday night, Gordon, and my arms would be like the Neanderthal man. My knuckles would be dragging on the ground from doing 14 blow dries every day. Uh, but bit by bit, you know, I was just enamored by, by hair and, and women, to be quite honest with you. I mean, a lot of my friends were, were um, you know, eventually they'd, they'd be working Monday through Friday and, and couldn't wait to get out on Friday night to meet girls. And I thought, wow. Uh, I can meet girls five days a week doing this. <laughs> that was a big attraction as well. I'm going to be quite honest. Um, but bit by bit, what I quickly realized was my fascination was seeing other people grow, seeing other people successful. And I thought, wow, if if I could be in a scenario where I could do things for other hairdressers that the Dell had done for my mum and for my family and for the staff, et cetera, um, I thought, how wonderful would that be? And I think the, the phrase is, 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 is to pay it forward. And it was always very, very appealing to me. And um, fast forward to today, it still is. I think, I think I can honestly say that I'm at my happiest professionally um, when I'm surrounded by um, hungry hairdressers. Um, I really enjoy that. I love sharing. Well, and it shows when you're, when you're in front of a crowd, when you're with a crowd, I mean, you, you, there's a joy in what you're doing that comes through. And it's one of the reasons I, I love to watch you on a stage or, or in a more intimate setting. Um, like two big things struck me from, from your mother's experience and, you know, as lessons, you know, um, first and foremost, um, she wasn't afraid to ask, you know, the fact that she, she took the initiative to go get help for herself, to go get someone who could mentor her, who could teach her. Um, but she, she took that action, which so many of us do not. We get stuck. We're afraid. We don't maybe know what to do next. But that's really, really powerful. And had she not done that, obviously, her life would not have changed. And then as importantly, you know, that idea of putting that money, you know, in the jar, um, that, that idea of investing in yourself um, which I think no matter where you are in your career, even if you're working for a great salon that supports you that way and, and pays for it, we still have to find ways to invest in ourselves and we have to believe in ourselves enough that we think we're worth the investment. No, absolutely. And to your first point, I, I think it's important that we know what we don't know. And, um, you know, that the story that I mentioned earlier, she clearly didn't have a clue where to go and what to do. And, and as you pointed out, she reached out. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's, 
that's absolutely critical to, to not be afraid to do that, to ask. Because the worst thing that could happen is someone could turn around and say no. And then you go ask the next person. Exactly. Absolutely. And, and, and the one thing about, about people in our craft, as you well know, Gordon, and, and people listening to this podcast is nine out of 10 people that are in our craft are very giving people. It, it's a core attribute of, of being a hairdresser. So, you know, if you ask 10 people, there's a pretty good chance someone's going to say yes at some point. And, um, you know, and, and that's, that's important to, to ask. And then to your second point, um, you know, I look at us hairdressers, we're like batteries. You know, a battery every day of its life is giving, giving, giving. It's giving out. And at some point, that battery is going to basically peter out. Um, and at that point, it needs to be recharged or replaced. And, um, you know, we stand behind a chair and we, we give, give, give all day and we service clients. And, um, you know, we give to clients. But at some point, um, if we're not careful, at some point, we're going to give to the point where the meter is, is reading zero. And I think it's important to recognize when that needle starts to head towards zero um, is to plug in that battery and recharge it. And that's where education comes in. And today, I mean, I think it's important to say how vast the, the amount of resources that a person can plug into really is. Again, I mentioned, you know, the brands and all the stuff that's being done to support the industry. There's the media companies like American Salon. There are the beauty shows like uh, American Sister uh, Organization, the international beauty shows and all the big beauty shows across the country. There's events like you and I will soon be at um, International Trend Vision that Wella produces. It brings people from the entire world together to compete on one platform and to get together and network and share. There's so many ways that you can plug in local distributors, the, the your fellow salons locally. And as you said, it's such a giving, giving industry and you just have to get out there and ask, but you also have to show up. You have to, you have to put yourself in places where you can meet the people that you need to meet. Absolutely. And, 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 and Gordon, one of the things that I've really, really enjoyed it with Weller over the last sort of five years is, um, um, my boss, her name is Michelle Mason, and she's the, the global education leader. And um, her background is HR. Um, she's, she's not a hairdresser by trade. And when I joined, she said, I really want you to take a look at Weller and um, look at it with fresh eyes. Because obviously, you're coming into the company and you're going to see things that, that perhaps um, people who've been around for a while don't necessarily see. And um, one of the things that we've really worked on over the last five years is something called the future of education, which is a kind of a bit of a grandiose title. But basically what it is, it's the study of how does a hairdresser's brain work? And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this very carefully because I, I have to be careful of who, who is listening here. But someone who's 19 and listening to this podcast, your brain and how you learn is very, very different to someone who would have been 19 listening to this podcast 30 years ago. So there's different triggers and different. And we did all kinds of research, which must have cost hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to, 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 to look at this, at, to how to young people, how do they learn? And the sum total of all these learnings is we've very much twisted and adapted 
unaltered, not necessarily what we're teaching, but how we're teaching it, because that 19-year-old's brain works very different. So how do we get their attention? How do we retain their attention? And, um, you know, I, I learned many, many years ago that, that there's two kind of equations with education. One is, is, is obviously there's, we're investing time and money to take education, whether it's five minutes jumping online and looking at something online or it's, it's getting on an airplane and flying across the country and spending five days in a class. So it's time and money. And um, in, in 2017, I think in many ways to a stylist or a salon owner or an independent contractor, time is more expensive than money. Time is more expensive than money. So what we've really worked on at Weller is, is that time, whether it's an hour, a day, or five days, that we're returning the best return on investment with that education. What we've discovered is, is not really that revolutionary. Um, what we've di- discovered is, is that, that the, true, the true nugget with education is when people do. Um, listening, great. Watching, great. But really where the light bulb goes off is when we combine watching and listening with doing. And um, I think going to trade shows, fantastic. Um, going and watching that event that we did just recently in Chicago that you were at, great, fantastic. Going online and watching something online, um, a step-by-step on hairbrain.me or whatever, fantastic. But ultimately, all of those roads have to lead to doing a head of hair and having someone stand over you and go, you might be better thinking about reformulating this color this way, this way, this way, because our eye color, a skin color, whatever, previous underlying pigment, whatever. Being in a hands-on class and going through a haircut together and someone standing over you and saying, no, lift your elbow up higher or move around here, or twist the model's head over that way. The physical doing is really, it, it, it's the, the real nugget of gold where the light bulb goes off. And I truly believe it's where hairdressers get the best return on investment. And I know that because we've studied how minds work. And when people are listening and seeing, but at the same time, there's some involvement of them doing, that's when it turns into dollars and cents. That's when it turns into fulfilling a creative ambition. And that's when it turns into what we were talking about earlier, where we can go back and we can put $2, $5, $10 on the price of a color. And part of that goes back to reinvesting back into more education, whatever that might be. And I would, and I would add that I think it's a lot easier to understand the value of education as you're experiencing it if you're the kind of professional who every once in a while sits down and makes some goals for yourself, who self-assesses to see where your strengths are, to see where your weaknesses are. You see a new trend coming. Perhaps balayage is something that you haven't had much experience with, and, and you understand that clients are perhaps looking for that service. So you set yourself a goal that over the course of the next year, I'm going to become an expert in balayage. I'm going to, I'm going to do certain things. So as you then kind of map that out, and then you engage directly in that education, whether it's the online 
um, video that hopefully inspires you or, or gets you a little closer to that hands-on workshop. But as you take all these steps, hopefully getting to that final step, which is so important, as you say, you know, doing it hands-on with a mentor, with a coach, with a teacher, that you really get the value because it connects back to a goal and there's an end game that I am going to add that service to my menu. I am going to make more money, money, have a better living because I did get the education that connects to a plan. And I think part and parcel of that, that, that plan, Gordon, is really having a mentor or mentors. And that mentor doesn't have to be in your salon, could be. Uh, could be someone who's 6,000 miles away. But I think really having someone to communicate with online to communicate with face-to-face because this is a journey. A career through hairdressing, I think, really, really is a journey. It's not a sprint. It's not 100 yards. It's definitely a marathon. It's long-term. And I think holding hands with a mentor, and this is something that we really promote um, at at Weller, and um, one of my... Um, dear colleagues here, Fabio Sanantilli, who unfortunately is no longer with us. He was one of the biggest pioneers of this. He's, um, he's be mentored or mentor um, and, and pay it forward. And coming back to what, what, what you said earlier, Gordon, about um, you know looking at goal planning, um, I don't think you really need to go to fashion school to realize that, that the hemline of a dress um, fashion-wise, the hemline of a dress, season by season, will get shorter and shorter and shorter to the point where it cannot go any shorter <laughs> for obvious reasons. And then the only direction that hemline can go is back in the other direction, towards the knees, and eventually it'll go down to our ankles. And then season by season, it's going to have to start to come back up again. In many ways, hair is the same way in the sense that Hair gets longer, hair gets shorter. Hair gets sleek, hair gets more textured. Hair gets casual, hair gets sophisticated. And, um, you know, looking at trends and the way that they've unfolded over the last few years, um, you know, thinking ahead of time with goal planning, with what's coming down the road, is is, is a wise thing to do. And, and what you said, uh, planning out education, planning out what you're going to do, to really help you with your confidence, uh, your business, um, and, and your clientele and your financial path forward, um, that's a really wise thing to do. There's, there's a, a fantastic um, Canadian hockey player um, who has um, a fantastic saying that I love to quote, and um, that is, don't skate to the puck. Skate to where the puck is going to be. And it was Wayne Gretzky that said that. And um, obviously, if, if we're on a skating rink and we skate to where the puck is, by the time we get to that puck, the puck's moved on. I, I, um, I'm terrible at sports analogies, but I think another great saying, I believe, from Wayne Gretzky was that we miss every shot we don't take. Absolutely. Did I, yeah. get, it, did I get it right? Was it Wayne Gretzky? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, sports not my thing. Um, I um, I I love that you mentioned mentors, and I I know that that you have had many. And again, you're you're so networked around the world. Um, 
and I'm sure you've been offered some uh, brilliant advice over the course of your career. And I, I want you to share with our audience what some of the best advice you've ever received um, as it relates to the profession and something you, you would like to share that you think would inspire our, our audience. Yeah, my goodness, we don't have enough time. <laughs> I think top of my list is um, probably something that Vidal um, said to me um, quite a while ago. Um, we were talking about the business and hair and whatever. And um, he said that headdressing is not golf. Um, headdressing is football. He actually said soccer. He meant soccer, but he said football. So I'll just say football. Obviously, golf is one man um, with a bunch of clubs hitting a ball by himself. Um, whereas football is really an offense and a defense. Um, there's coaches, there's cheerleaders, there's goalkeepers, there's a medical staff. It's a whole bunch of people coming together. And probably Barcelona Football Club is probably the best example. You know, there's some incredibly talented stars that play for that team. But they're arguably the best team in the world because they're a team. It's Barcelona's not Lionel Messi, for example. Barcelona is a beautiful thing because of people pulling together and working together. And um, I I'm super fortunate, Gordon, because I get to see a lot of um, successful hairstylists, successful salons, successful businesses, successful colorists. And, um, you know, some people are independent contractors. Some people own their own salons. Some people are in small salons. Some people are in suites. Um some people work in commission salons, some people work for chains, some people work for manufacturers. But the true successful people, the one common denominator is in one way, shape or form, directly or indirectly, they're playing football. They're not playing golf. I love that. In spite of the fact that it's a sports analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking it's a Broadway show instead of a one-person monologue. I'm trying to find yeah. some, something that fits into my gay analogy brain. You know, <laughs> but, I, but it's a great analogy. And I think anything that, um, that reinforces that big idea of people doing things collectively is, 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 is really powerful. Um, when you were in Chicago, I... I listening to this this podcast anybody listening to it that's that's taking a class with me you, you you're smiling now i know you are because you know that i live and die by analogies i just i i'm i'm with you just i don't i i stay out of the sports lane because i do it so <laughs> i do it so poorly you know <laughs> so the um i was um I was at Triple Craft, as you mentioned earlier, in Chicago. It was a it was a great opportunity for the local community to get together. A lot of salon owners and stylists that I know here locally were there. So thank you for inviting me, and thank you for bringing those those great people together. I loved watching all the beautiful hair that you and your team did. But probably what really grabbed me uh, over the course of that ninety minutes or so was how you kind of wove a story of business best practices into the story in a way that I thought just was so perfect for the audience. And, and you also talked a lot about kind of balance between the different parts of how we look at life in the salon. And I wonder if you can talk about that for a minute, because I just think it was a great, great way of explaining what's important. No, absolutely. And, um, and as you said in the introduction, I've, I've been around for a little while. Um, and I, I came to the States in 1987, and I would go to New York frequently. 
And when I was in New York, I'd go out of my way to go in the south, the Sassoon salon and do clients and take care of customers. And I worked in a salon that was um, on Fifth Avenue in um, New York City, and it was on ground level. I would do the same thing in, in Los Angeles. I'd, I'd go and work in Beverly Hills, and that salon was um, on Rodeo Drive, and it was on ground level. And uh, what I'm about to say is not necessarily America. It's not necessarily Weller or Sassoon or whatever. But I think as an industry, we've kind of moved off Fifth Avenue, and we've moved off ground level. And I mean that in a kind of general sense. And um, in many ways, I think we are losing customers. And um, it's a number of reasons. It's 2008. It's the recession. Um, it is trends. It's fashion. Hair's gotten longer. Color's been much more casual with the way that it's been applied. And um, in many people's lives, unlike a number of years ago, hair's not that important. Um, to many people, if you've got a banana clip to pin your hair up with and some flip-flops and an iPhone, you're good to go. And um, that's a trend. And that's a fact. And I go to Australia and I go to Russia and it's the same the world over. That anomaly is not necessarily the United States. It's a global phenomenon. But as I mentioned earlier, I, I don't think we need to go to fashion school and have a degree to figure out that trends go around in ever decreasing circles. And um, at the moment, there's that kind of center part in long hair, um, kind of undone type of look, which is great, but it's definitely petering out and it's going away. One of the disadvantages with what I've just described hair-wise is the haircut appointment was six weeks. I clearly remember that. And if you didn't get a haircut for eight weeks, you're a hot mess. And um, color was the same way. There was a four-week color appointment. And bit by bit, that color appointment's gone to eight weeks. It's gone to 12 weeks. And um, a lot of people nowadays are um, tipping their head upside down, and they're trimming the long shoulder blade length hair themselves with the head upside down. And then they're watching a YouTube video and they're buying some box color from the store and the painting ombre onto the ends of their um, hair color and they're done, which is all well and good. But that is a huge challenge for our industry. And um, that elongation of the salon appointment is something that's affecting hairdressers. It's affecting salon owners um, in Brazil. It's affecting hairdressers in, in Russia. Everywhere I go, I, I, I hear this. And um, in many ways, I think, too, we as an industry, it's almost like we're waiting for a knight to come charging over the horizon on a white horse and rescue us. And that knight is going to be something from Hollywood. Some movie star is going to have something that's going to set us back on track. And um, uh, or, you know, something's going to come along, a, a new Vidal Sassoon or a new Paul Mitchell or whatever. And my mindset with that is, is A, I don't know it's going to happen. And B, for one, I don't want to sit back and neither does Weller um, for this to maybe happen. So I think, um, you know, the, the, the direction that we're really pushing is really to take back our customers, Gordon. And our customers belong in our chair, belong in a professional hair salon. 
with a professional uh, hairstylist, makeup artist, nail technician, etc., who's going to give them a great service and give them great advice? So what does that mean? It, it really means that that we as hairstylists, I'm just going to talk hair initially, is um, you know we've got to offer alternatives. And I think in beauty schools just recently, there's been this mindset that um, the client is always right. And um, yes is the default answer. And um, I don't know that's true. I don't know clients are always right. And I don't know um, that yes is always the right answer. And, um, you know, I, I, I've heard of hundreds and hundreds of clients not return to a stylist. And they've often given the reason they've not returned is they keep doing the same thing. The client keeps receiving the same color or the same haircut or no color. Um, I've never, ever, Gordon, have I, I ever heard of a client, a customer, who said, I'm not going back to that stylist because they keep suggesting things. <laughs> Good point. me all these photographs on their iPad of what's the new trend. They keep talking to me about what's coming in the autumn and why I should change my color for the spring and the summer and showing me these new products and showing me these new shapes. I've never heard of that. I've never, ever heard of a stylist losing a client because they're too suggestive. That's such a, I love that. One of the things that we're really driving at Weller is, is the consultation process. And really making that consultation process suggestive. In other words, you, Gordon, come to me and your hair's down to the middle of your back. You've got a few layers and you've got no color. And you sit down in my chair and you say, Stephen, I just want to trim. I just want a quarter of an inch cut off. I've got two choices. I can look at my watch and think, oh, my goodness, you know, I'm strapped to time and um if I just say yes to this person and cut a quarter of an inch off, they're going to be happy and I can get on with my next client. Or I can turn around to you and say, yeah, great. I hear what you're saying. However, can I make a suggestion? However, can I talk to you about integrating color into your hair? However, let's stand up and let's you hold a mirror. Let's have you look at the back of your hair because I want you to see what's on the back of your head. I want to show you some shapes, some ideas, some styling options that you might want to think about. You might not um, take me up today, but I want to plant a seed in your mind because I really think we can go on a journey with your hair. What that's really doing, and we've got statistics to prove this, what it's really doing, Gordon, it's locking that client into you, the stylist, and typically into that salon. We did some research just recently, and what we figured out was that if a client goes to a hair salon, and this is a good one, guys, listen up to these numbers. If a woman goes into a hair salon and she's super happy with her haircut, it's the haircut she wanted, she's happy, everybody was polite, she had a nice cup of coffee, no one was rude, ran on time, she didn't get her hair scalded at the backwash. There's a 64% chance, 64% chance, she's going to return to that stylist. So the flip to that is there's a 30, 36% chance she might check out another stylist. Mm -hmm. She might check out another salon. That's a big number. That's a big number, Gordon. Now, 
Let's take the same woman, same scenario, super happy with her hair. We layer on top of that haircut dimensional color, custom color, color that fits with the haircut, color that fits with her skin color, her eye color, a lifestyle. Maybe we're using two colors. Maybe we're using three, four colors. And they're not colors that she can do at home. The colors that fit with that haircut and the haircut talks to the color. The color talks to the haircut and both of them talk to that woman's features. Previously, we had a potential return of 64%. That 64% with cut and integrated custom color now jumps to 83%. That's a massive hike. But you know when you wake up in the middle of the night, you turn on the TV at 3 o'clock in the morning, there's those advertisements on, and they say, but wait, there's more. If we layer on top of that haircut and color, if we layer on top of that OTC, and we layer on top of that booking her next hair appointment, we're now at 81%. And I think everybody listening to this podcast, if they sat there and thought to themselves, Would I prefer a 64% retention or a 91% retention? I think most people can make up their own mind. When you consider also how much work goes into, whether you realize it or not, as as a hairdresser or even as a salon owner, there's a lot that goes into getting someone in the door, Um, whether it's the way you do your signage or the promotions you do or the Instagram work you do or the word of mouth and, and doing great work that others that clients tell other people about. There, there's a lot that goes into getting someone into your chair that first time, that second time, and on and on and on. And those numbers that you share, um, especially where you started, where you've got 30-some percent who don't come back, the loss of investment that you've made in the past to get those people in your chair, and now the cost, the added effort to replace them is huge. And, and people who live in those not so great numbers, put so much effort into trying to get new people in that they actually don't have the time they need to take care of the people who are already there. And it's kind of a slow moving downward spiral, I would argue. So what you bring up is so important. I think additionally too, Gordon, you know, you, your points you've made there are absolutely spot on. And um, what I'm about to say is so ridiculously obvious, but in many ways, what's on top of a woman's head is a billboard. It's a TV commercial for what you do. And she's walking around with that on her head. And um, I, look, I look at some really interesting businesses as I, as I go through my, my world. And, um, you know, some people really eke out a corner of what they're going to do really well. And that might be curly hair or it might be long hair or it might be wedding dues or whatever. And I think in many ways, some of the most successful people who are really focusing on on a particular part of the market, and they do it incredibly well, but they do it in such a way where that woman's walking around and she's an advertisement. Um, about five years ago, I had an interesting experience. I, um, I, I was teaching in Rotterdam in, um, in Holland. Rotterdam is the, the, the Weller headquarters for Benelux. So uh, we do all the regional education for Luxembourg, Belgium, Holland, the whole region. And I was working there for about 10 days, Gordon, and um, I had one day off 
in the middle of the 10 days. I think I'd gone about two weeks before I went there with no day off. So I was really looking forward to having a day off while I was over there and just relaxing and chilling. So, of course, while I'm there, I'm posting on Facebook and Instagram, you know, here's all of my work and here's what everybody's doing. And look at these great colors and blah, 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 blah. Bit by bit, people started to ping me and said, oh, you got to go check out this amazing barbershop. <laughs> I know where this is going, but keep going. It is. And um, I'm thinking, yeah, right. I need to go and visit a hair salon like a hole in the head on my day off. And um, finally, my cell phone rang and a good friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, is on the end of the phone from Chicago. His name is David Reculius. And he said, Stephen, you'll kick yourself. If you don't go and visit this salon, um, why don't you go get your hair cut and really experience the whole thing in this, in this barbershop in, 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 um, in Rotterdam? So finally, I, I, am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Yes, you are. Okay. So finally, I got the, 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 <laughs> the studio leader to call and, and, and I said, you know, I really want to have the first appointment on Saturday. I want to get in. I want to get out. I want to be done and I want to have the rest of my day. And um, she called up and she came back. She said, no, no, they don't, they don't make appointments. You just got to stand in line. I said, look, for goodness sake, tell them I want the first appointment. I'm Stephen Moody. I'm some big shot from America. You know, <laughs> throw my name around. So she came back and she kind of had a tail between her legs. And she said, um, the owner's got a message for you. I'm like, oh, great. What's the message? Fuck off. <laughs> was, it, was it Rob or Lean? <laughs> Rob. Of course, Rob. (laughs) So I I won't get into the whole story because we probably don't have enough time. But but basically, I I stood in line behind 27 men in the pouring rain at 8.30 in the morning for them to open at 9 o'clock. And um, when I finally did get in there, Rob said to me, um, oh, he said, you know, you're Stephen Moody. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You told me to fuck off yesterday. He said, yeah, I, I did. He said, when you get to the end of the bench, he said, wait for me, I'll cut your hair. And we had a great conversation while he cut my hair. But where I'm going with this is, is they really decided on a specific approach, a specific um, way of marketing themselves. And um, it works. Now, would it work for everybody? No. Have a lot of people copied that business model and been very successful with it? Yes. But um, I, from the, the moment I arrived at the barbershop to leave in, it was seven and a half hours gone. <laughs> Gosh, for, for a men's haircut. I love it. Exactly. And people line up every day. And you know, I've had some long conversation with the guys and they're, they're fascinating. And, and for our listeners, actually, if you uh, Google American Salon um, and um, the Squirm Barbers, you'll find a, a great video interview that I did with them. But but the essence of what they've done is create a brand that they knew from the get-go what it was, what its essence was, what it was going to look like, what it was going to feel like. And they've been so true to that. And And by being geniuses in branding and applying it to the idea of a salon, they have built a, a fabulous business as a salon, and now it extends into the product world. So, you know, a brand matters. And that in itself is, is a great lesson for everybody who's listening, whether you're an independent, whether you're a stylist behind the chair, you know, we are now personal brands. 
And I also think, you know, you mentioned, you know, the, the billboard walking down the street. And I know you're very active on social media, very active. And of course, um, the Scorn Barbers, um, you know, they in many ways were born out of social media. It's a very big part of what they've done. They've known all over the world. And now that billboard walking down the street is also being transported through our smartphones out to thousands, if sometimes tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who, if you do that well, can find you in your salon and help you build your business. Absolutely. And, and, and that day, Gordon, I, I, learned, um, I learned a tremendous amount. And one of the big takeaways from what they do is they, they take iPhone photographs of customers before and after. And um, you mentioned Weller um, Triple Craft earlier today and uh, earlier in the, in the podcast. And um, that's a program that we've, we've really developed as, as a reply to this shrinking clientele and this clientele that um, is color only or cut only or blow dry only. And the concept is, is, is every client every time be, be suggestive to layering on top of their hair, cut, color, finish, OTC, booking that next appointment. And that's part and parcel of what this, this concept is with, with Triple Craft. And um, the actual delivery of it, it's a, it's a 90 minute look and learn session, very much at eyeball level. It's not a hair show. Um, the sweet spot is about 150 people in the audience. And um, the 90 minutes is actually only 50% of the event. The other 50% of the event is um, social media activities. Um, it's before and after photography of the hair. And again, coming back to what I was saying about how a 19-year-old minds work is um, it's the models that we do for the audience. Um, we really invite the audience to get their fingers in the hair and to, to take a comb and look at the way that the, 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 the model's hair's color has been placed, for example. Um, or to take a blow dryer or an iron and restyle the hair and play with product. Because at Weller, we really think it's super important when people are taking education that they experience it and they do it. And um, again, that's the whole concept behind Weller Triple Craft is to really drive every hairdresser every time to have that suggestive um, mindset. And part and parcel of it is, is this idea of, hey, here's what this person looked like two days ago or a day ago before I started doing their hair. Look at what they look like now. And I think you'll agree, Gordon, to Mrs. Smith, um, who's the customer out there, that's very powerful. Um, I mean, she doesn't understand level and tone. She doesn't understand graduation and neither should she. She's got, you know, but she does understand and see a powerful um, makeover. She does understand and see a powerful before and after. And you mentioned social media earlier, Gordon. I think it's a wonderful marketing tool when you can do that with your customers and um, you can share a video or you can share a, a, a photograph that, that is that transformation of that person. It's a fantastic marketing tool. Well, and, and we see this all the time now, you know, of all of us, we have to have what are called our profile pics, right? We have to have that picture that we present to the world of ourselves, whether it's on Instagram and our profile or Facebook. And, and I know so many of my friends who are not in the industry, 
It's that moment that they leave the salon. And if they're really lucky, that moment while they're in the chair and their hairdresser helps get a photo of them that becomes their new profile picture. Because again, that's when we feel so great about who we are as human beings is when we leave that salon just looking good and feeling good. Yeah. I went in a really interesting salon in Chicago when I was there two weeks ago. It's called DJ Hairtography. Hmm. And it's oh. the first salon that I've been into that has an in-house photographic studio, an in-house photographer, and an in-house makeup artist. And it's a regular hair salon. You go there, you get your hair cut and colored. But you have the option of stepping into this small photographic studio with professional lighting and everything and getting that experience. And I thought, how genius is that? Because you're absolutely right. You know, most people are never going to look better than two minutes after they step outside of that hair salon. So why not capture it and it become your Facebook profile? And again, it makes you a little bit different than the competition. And, you know, going back to what, you know, has kind of framed a lot of this conversation is that we we do know those of, who, of us who watch the larger economy of salons that that it's more competitive than it's ever been, that people are stretching their appointments, that we are losing clientele across many categories of the industry. And it's it's a very challenging time. Having said that, you and I are lucky because we get to spend a lot of our days with extremely successful stylists, extremely successful salon owners. So so we know that success is there and we know it's attainable for those who, who, who do all the right stuff. I, I read a recent study about millennials um, talking about young people, and again, millennials now you know cap out at about thirty five years old. So they are a sweet spot in terms of clientele. And millennials are shifting their spending habits in very significant ways. Um, they are, for example, the study I read had to do with fashion, and they were saying that they're spending less money on their clothes because they want more money so they can go out and have good times in their lives. they They value great food. They value a great experience out in their neighborhoods with their good friends. And they're putting more of their money towards entertainment and food and cutting elsewhere because the paychecks aren't necessarily going up. And so you're competing for those dollars. You're competing you know, for somebody who's trying to figure out where to spend every dime. And so to the point of all of this, first and foremost, it is a very challenging time. Um, but the opportunity to excel and to stand out and to be competitive is there for everyone. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I could stay on this podcast till Christmas. I know, and we're we're going to wrap up soon. <laughs> but I must ask you because when we before we before we got talking, you and, and you mentioned this at, at Triplecraft, you know, which which was this idea of this kind of how easy it is to to lose your balance in terms of the relationship in your career between taking care of your clients, being creative, um, driving success, managing your money, all that stuff, and. And I just want you to riff on that for a moment. I don't know I have any sort of um, concrete things to offer up here other than the fact that um, I think it's fair to say as a hairstylist, as a salon owner, our priorities are constantly changing on what we do. And that might be driven um, from a personal perspective or it might be driven by by the market and by our customers. But... Um, Throughout my career, I've, I've tried really, really hard to find that balance of my eye um, 
you know, what does my eye like? And um, personally, I, I find it really difficult to, to teach something or to talk about something or to put something on top of someone's head that I don't like. Mm. I find that really hard, if not impossible. Um, so it's that balance of, of really sort of appealing to what your eye likes. And that could be very subjective. I think the other part of the, the balance, too, is, is, is what's in your heart. And it's balancing the eye with the heart and the passion of, of what you believe in and what's truly, truly behind what is driving you. And I think the eye and the heart very much sort of lead us towards the, the artist, leads us towards the, 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 the creativity in what we do. But as we all know, everybody listening to this podcast knows there's a, there's a third element, and that is the wallet, because um, ultimately um, we can be super happy with our eye and we can be super happy with what's in our heart. But, um, you know, if we're sleeping in a car, um, there's something wrong with the wallet side of the equation. And I think finding that balance is is difficult. And um, I think it's an ongoing adjustment. And I think it's important that all of us ask questions of our eye. We ask questions of our heart. And we ask questions of our wallet as we go through this lifelong journey um, in this wonderful craft um, called hairdressing. And to come back to your point earlier, Gordon, I, I, I think one of the best places to ask this question is through education. Um, so for the wallet, you know, business education, um, client building education, client retention education, marketing, social media, etc. And, um, you know, I don't need to highlight the eye and the, the heart. I think we're all pretty familiar with where we get that education. But I think constantly updating ourselves with education allows us to find that that balance and um, the wonderful thing about our craft is that balance is always changing it's never going to stay the same so that balance of, of, of eye and heart and wallet as a 17 year old is going to be very different to a salon owner who's um, 57 years old so it's an ongoing journey and I think it's something that's super exciting with what we do um, but to your point, my advice is listen to those three. It's, it's good advice. And, and I'm so glad you mentioned heart in there. And it's a, it's a perfect segue. I just want you to speak briefly about something I know is very close to yours. And that's Wella's hairdressers at heart. Yeah, we, uh, Wella, we, we started the hairdressers at heart probably about five years ago now. And um, I would highly recommend you go to Wella.com. And um, there's a, a button on there that will eventually take you to the, the program of, of Headdressers at Heart. Um, but it's a, an outreach program to, that does several different things. It helps to drive charities and get behind um, charity activities because, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, um, I think as hairdressers we're very, very um, giving people. And um, I think stylists and salon owners do cutathons for this and cutathons for that, and um, you know uh, strive to 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 drive to money towards a charity, um, you know towards what's happened in Texas, for example, just recently. And Hedrus at heart is a mechanism to help amplify 
that from the charity standpoint? And, um, you know, how can Weller help to amplify and drive what might be one person's cutathon or one salon's cutathon? And, um, you know, how can we really help um, Weller help hairdressers help other people? Another big part of it is scholarships, is um, really kind of reaching out to help people with scholarships. And that's pretty much divided into two um, separate categories. One scholarship is for people who are new to the craft, um, you know, the pioneers and that are just joining our industry. And they're going to beauty school, but maybe they're struggling with tuition. You know, maybe they're struggling with the funding to be able to to enter our craft. And, um, you know, how can we help out with that as, as, a, as a manufacturer? How can Weller help out with that? The other side to the scholarship program is for um, ongoing education. We've talked about that already of, um, you know, people taking ongoing education once they're licensed. And um, Weller offers scholarships towards that as well so that people who are in the business whose batteries are perhaps getting a little bit low and need a boost, uh, need a lift, um, how can we help them financially and drive them to achieving their goals of ongoing education? Um, there's lots more as part of um, Weller's Hairdressers at Heart. And again, I would I would recommend Googling Hairdressers at Heart or um, going to Weller.com. And, I, and it, you know, it, again, you mentioned paying it forward. And, and I, I love when a brand is paying it forward as, as well as doing with this program. I, I think it's absolutely brilliant. And I, I, I have to mention as an aside, um, you mentioned Texas, you know, where it just happened in the, in the last little bit here. And um, I would also encourage all of our listeners to... Um, to help our fellow professionals in need by um, Googling um, or going to um, Professional Beauty Association's website, probeauty.org, and looking at the disaster relief fund that they've got set up. I mean, they're fundraising now, and I know that every penny they raise will go directly to hairdressers to help them get back on their feet. So, and they have a really great process to vet people, and I, I just can't recommend it enough. It's a, it's a, a great, great charity. I'd love to ask everybody this question, um, and that is, um, what might you be listening to or reading or viewing or obsessing about, um, something that's inspiring you right now that you'd like to share with our audience? I'm an avid reader. Uh, I, I like to read. I, I read um, e-books. And um, one book I just finished is called um, 1493 by Charles C. Mann, M-A-N-N. And um, I really enjoyed reading that book, Gordon. And it was, it was, it's all about the history of the world after Christopher Columbus set foot in the Caribbean. And how um, prior to that happening, different ethnicities lived in different parts of the world that didn't really have a lot of interaction. We didn't really trade food or gold or silver too much prior to that. And um, reading that book's absolutely fascinating because what it really is showing is, is how our lives and interaction and trade and medicine and disease and ethnicities have all intermixed um, at an amplified speed. And the book kind of ends with, um, it ends with the World Wide Web. So it kind of starts with, with Christopher Columbus and goes through to, um, to today. And um, 
all kinds of incredible topics that they talk about. The potato, for example, and um, how the potato um, pretty much saved the industrial world. Um, how gold and silver and, and why certain ethnicities speak the way they do and skin color and hair color. And um, amazing. Everybody, you know, ch check that out. And, and I always say, you know, if, if you're not a reader, you know, I, I'm a huge fan and I am a reader, but I've become a huge fan of Audible, audiobooks, you know, uh, audible.com. First two books are free, which I, I think is really kind of cool, but you can listen to books and as well as read them. And I think what's so relevant to our larger conversation about the industry is that, again, knowing so many successful hairdressers at, at all different levels, it's important to be a great conversationalist from behind the chair. Part of the experience for us as consumers is that not just a great consultation, not just a great service and all the, the things that you will bring to the conversation related to beauty, but also the other pieces of it, the, the, the more personal aspects that sometimes it's about the news, sometimes it's about culture. And the more well-read you are, the more that you've been exposed to bigger ideas, the better equipped you will be to speak about something interesting to every client. And I think also to add to that, Gordon, too, be, being able to stand behind a chair and speak to a 17-year-old, mm -hmm. but then with the next customer, be able to have a, a conversation with a 70-year-old um, and anything in between. And I, and I think that's really sort of um, a key to success as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're, gonna, we're, we're about to wrap up. So I, this has been a long conversation. As you said earlier, I could do this all afternoon and I wish we could. We'll have to have you back. But, but um, first off, tell our audience where they can find you and Wella um, online on social media. Um, yeah, Wella.com um, is really the portal to take you to, to a myriad of different avenues within the Wella organization. Hashtags that are a Wella, uh, Wella Life, Wella Love. A more recent one is hashtag um, IME. Me personally, a lot of my stuff is going to um, hashtag Cut Craft, which is the new Wella proprietary um, cutting system. Hashtag uh, Triple Craft. Um, my name is Stephen Moody on um, on Facebook. Unfortunately, it's a little bit crowded on there. There's about five thousand. More accessible is um, is my Instagram um, address, which is really easy to remember. It's Hair Moody. I love that one, I, and I do remember it. You know, for the first time I found it, so that's a that's a great one. You should you should actually trademark it. Um, <laughs> I you know I, I appreciate you so much being here with us today. I'm Stephen Moody, Global Dean of Education for Wella Professionals. You are a passionate professional. You're a great human being, and as I said earlier, you are on my short list of true industry icons. Um, again, thank you for being a guest on the American Salon Stories podcast. My pleasure, Gordon. Thank you for having me. And we'll be back next week with another American Salon Stories podcast. In the meantime, we hope you'll follow American Salon on Instagram, where we're known as American underscore Salon, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash American Salon. That's all one word. And of course, on americansalon.com, where you can also subscribe to the Daily Beauty Fix e-newsletter. This is American Salon guest contributor and Hairbrain CEO, Gordon Miller. And I can't wait to bring you another American Salon Stories podcast next week.